Welcome to this podcast of South Point Church. You have found your way to us in this little corner of the online universe, and this summer our theme is Refresh. Children are so embodied, they're so naturally drawn to what is refreshing. What if refreshment is a gift that our bodies will recognize if we let them? In adult culture, refreshment often is connected to something we pay for, a fancy trip or drinks out. What if refreshment isn't something we purchase or find on vacation or in a care package as much as something we receive? What if the refreshment we long for is here all along, in the sun, the rain, the trees, the air, in the smiles, the laughter, the rest, the breath, and also in the tears and the self-expression of emotions? in the speaking and the sharing and the feeling and being seen and heard. These things to me seem very accessible, gifts of being human, gifts of being creatures, gifted to us by God. This summer, we're remembering this gift of refreshment, and we hope that by listening, you are encouraged to give this gift to yourself. So glad you came. Thank you, Jen. I think I'd like to be a little fly on the wall downstairs today. That was very fun to listen in on. Okay, so as I was sitting here uh, in the prayer of confession, I realized that one of my oughts and shoulds is to be organized. And I think it's because that doesn't really come naturally, and I don't want anybody to know that. So I work really hard to appear organized. And today I left for church on time, which felt like an accomplishment because I cooked Craig a Father's Day breakfast. And I get here and I go to open the door and I realize I have the wrong set of keys because Craig unwittingly, you know, I didn't know this, but he also put a little Canadian flag on the end of his keychain that looked just like the church's keys. So I'm like, oh no. I hope I can get home and back before anybody shows up so that they won't know that I am not organized. So I go home and as soon as I get home, the heavens open up and it's pouring rain. And I'm like, well, I can't run in these shoes. So I'm kicking off my shoes and I'm running down the drive and round the back to my house. And I burst in and I'm running back through the rain barefoot. And then I caught myself. I'm like, hmm, I'm speaking on play and here I am running through the rain barefoot. Like, you know, maybe there's some mischief happening in the universe today. But I love watching kids play. I love seeing the way a pile of leaves becomes something of such joy, the way they run through sprinklers and clamber around the jungle gym on the playground. I can remember that. I remember being at the swimming pool and the lifeguard would cry out, walk, don't run. And I would try, it would take so much self-control to slow my feet down because there was such exuberance in me and it was hard to walk. One of the definitions of play in the Oxford English Dictionary is to wield lightly and freely to keep in motion. Isn't that beautiful? So I want you to imagine Hopefully we'll have a chance for you to name some of these things at the end of our time. But I want you to imagine back when you were a child, how did you like to play? Can you remember? Do you see any remnants of that little you in the adult version that you are? 
I had this best friend and her name was Kimmy. She lived down the street and we liked to ride our bikes over to each other's houses all the time. We spent all the time together. And um, there was an old farm with an old abandoned greenhouse in it. And we made a fort there and we loved to pack up picnics and bring it to the fort. We divided it up into the little rooms. She had a small white plastic camper van and say we would put Barbie dolls in it and take them out on adventures. There was wild onion that grew in the field, and we like to go and dig it up and forage it and bring it home and give it to our parents as contributions to the family meal. At the end of the day, I like to gather all my stuffed animals up on my bed and arrange conversations. I wanted them all to have a voice. Today, I live on a farm. There's a little glass greenhouse that soon will be abandoned. And I find myself daydreaming about maybe I could make a room out of it. I have a little white camper van. And after church today, Craig and I will head out on it for a Father's Day adventure. I like to go in the forest and forage mushrooms and wild elderflower. I make homemade elderflower cordial out of it. The flowers, not the mushrooms. And today I'm a pastor and here you are. And while I'm speaking, all I want to think is how can I find out what's in your head and give you a voice? Craig as a child collected and categorized butterflies among other things. And now he's writing a book on Greek syntax, collecting and categorizing the wing patterns of Greek verbs. <laughs> Look at this quote, I have a quote for you. There we go. Play is the exuberant expression of our being. It is at the heart of our creativity, our sexuality, our most carefree moments of devotion. It helps us live with absurdity, paradox, and mystery. It feeds our joy and wonder. It keeps our search for meaning down to earth. Now, I'm sure we've all heard psychologists and social scientists articulating the importance of play as children you know, they're learning how to be creative in their play and plays developing their critical thinking and shaping their personality and creative adaptive pathways in them. And, and adults too, they're telling us play is important. It releases endorphins, stimulates our creativity, improves brain function. Play even triggers the secretion of BPNF, a substance that is essential for the growth of brain cells. And play helps us move through stress more easily, balancing earnestness and predictability with free-spiritedness. I agree with all that, but I also have a little bit of a problem with these reasons why we should play, because then play becomes this means to an end. And I just don't want play to be reduced to another ought and should that I have to fit in on my list. So this week, I thought, okay, who else is talking about this? I went to the Bible. To be honest, there's not all that much about play in the Bible, but here's what I found. Um, Job 41, God speaks to Job and refers to children as playing as if it's really natural. And in Matthew 11, Jesus is referring to children as having playmates. In Isaiah, the description of the peaceable kingdom includes children playing with wild animals. In Zechariah's vision of the newly restored Jerusalem, it all he also mentions children playing. In Psalm 104 that Jen read, it talks about how God formed the Leviathan to play in the sea. And in Job 40.20, it talks about 
the mount, there's this mountain where all the wild beasts gather to play. So according to scripture, there seems to be this vision that play is natural. It's this assumed part of the fabric of creation. It's something that has inherent worth and value. But who else is writing about this? I was curious. Who's creating a theology of play? So I found this article, beautiful discussion between a theologian, Brendan McCarney, and a journalist, Betsy Johnson Mill. He's working on a theology of play. And he began his argument in this really interesting place that I just want to name for us today. Um, he began by criticizing, or cri not, not, not criticizing, but critiquing the way modernistic uh, Western culture bestows uh, categories of value on things. Something has value if it is purposeful, it, if it is utilitarian, if it's a means to an important end. And so play is important for adults, you know, because it, it's the mean to these ends. See where I'm going? And, but he noticed that this devaluation of the inherent worth of things started happening in the 17th century when thinkers began to view nature as an object, as a means to an end, which of course was kind of the heyday of colonialist expansion and slavery when human beings were treated like resources and removed from their land and stripped of their dignity and worth. And he noticed, um, here's another slide with a couple of quotes that he put up there. I'll just read them out. Modern West became obsessed with means, methods, use, and purpose to the neglect of meaning, inherent value, and dignity. And, and he observed that this loss of a sense of the mystery or the enchantment of the world and the divine presence in the world seems to also coincide with this loss of a sense of play. And I wonder if somewhere along that Western expansion, we exchange playfulness within for power over. Sometimes we got to go backwards to go forwards. And in McKernan's work, he goes back, back to the writings of Aquinas to find some relief for this utilitarian modernistic view of meaning of things. He points to Aquinas' view of the Trinity. Aquinas saw the Trinity as a sign of God's fullness, that God created the universe out of fullness, not out of any need that God had. The universe was created by God out of the infinity of love. Or to use McKernan's words, the next slide has this beautiful phrase, I just loved it, that creation as a whole is because of divine playing, and this playing is one of love. That's kind of a fresh view on play, isn't it? That God created as the fullness of God's love overflowed its banks, and creating was and is a form of play. And that means that swimming sea otters and yipping wolf cubs and ravens riding down drafts and horses thundering across fields and two old men playing chess and a young couple dancing isn't just a utilitarian activity that helps our brain function, but it's an expression of the playfulness within the very heart of creation. And when we play, we get to participate in the exuberance of God. We are imaging God. Have you ever, that's kind of cool. <laughs> that playing is a sign of being made in the image and likeness of God. And when, as we play as adults, we get to 
we get to dip ourselves back into the fountain of God's playfulness, and we get to live out our birthright as God's children. This is not an ought and a should. This is a get to. So it's Father's Day, and I think of one of the things that dad and dad figures in our lives can bring us is a kind of energy and playfulness. I have memories of, of my dad, who was a very hard worker, but he taught me how to fish. He took us canoeing. He wrestled with us. He spent endless hours playing catch with us out in the backyard. So I kind of want to honor that energy of dads today. And there are two dads in our church who are mentors for me on the value of play. I don't know if they knew this or not, but they inspire me. And it's not so much what they do that inspires me, but how they prioritize playfulness and make it so much a part of their family. And I see it in the way they parent and I see it the way they do life together. That's Colin and David. And so I've invited Colin and David to come on up and we're just going to have a little conversation. And then it's going to be your turn. Maybe if there's time, because, you know, we have to stay organized. <laughs> so what I've, what I've noticed, I feel very short down there. <laughs> uh, you are my role models, but I don't want to sit at your feet like that. So. <laughs> Um, so I'd just like to little, hear a little bit more about uh, how you value play, how that came about into being in your marriage. Is this intentional? Is this just accidental because it's who you are? Is there one of you that drives this over the other? Like, talk to me about how that. <laughs> For a long time, working at Child Youth Mental Health and working with kids, there's this understanding of play is the language of children. It's how they make sense of this world, how they connect to the world. It's, um, it has many, many, many reasons, but it's super important. Uh, with Becca, it's really hard to connect with her, to feel a sense of connection just because of who she is, but she always wants to play. And so there is this, this valuing of, if I want her to feel connected to us, we have to enter her world. We have to go, we have to play with her. And that's something I think that's a, a broad, on a broader way children are always being asked to be into the adult's world like the adult's responsibilities the adult schedule and play is where we enter their world and they and and so if you remember like as a kid when did you feel connected to adults or when did you feel like an adult cared about you it's when the adult entered your world when they were willing to play with you to get down on the floor to be creative with you engage with you on your level and not being demanded to you know enter the adult world because that's just all the time I heard this one line once that said, a kid will never say, I had a hard day. I want to talk. They'll come to you and say, will you play with me? And so like with Becca in particular, who would never and couldn't do that. Um, that's kind of a reminder that I give myself. Of, this is really important that we're on the floor playing Barbies right now, or that we're making, or, or that we're going to play Uno as a family, because that's something that she wants. That's my first thoughts about it. I'm ready to go. And I think the other thing in our family that uh, drew us into play quite quickly when we adopted Becca was every morning from 18 months old, she had her shoes in her hand and at the front door at nine o'clock, she had this internal clock somehow, and she'd be banging on the front door and holding her shoes and say, walk, play, walk, play, walk, play. And she just out of the house at nine o'clock every morning. And she wouldn't stop. So it really instilled in us when we became a family that, okay, by nine o'clock, we got to be playing or doing something together. So uh, one of the things that was um, 
a kind of a profound moment for Colin and I when I was like, because we've had lots, lots of difficulties with Becca and we would get stuck like you experience something horrible and you feel so much like rage and anger inside of you. And then 10 seconds later, she's wanting to play with you. And it was just constant emotional whiplash. And then it's stuck. You're like, I don't, don't want to play with you. Like you, this, you've just made our whole last two hours an absolute nightmare. And now you want to play with me? I don't want to play with you. Like that's what's going on inside. And we get stuck. And I remember feeling this way and Colin coming to me and he's like, David, if you aren't ready to track with her and get over those anger inside you, you're going to miss out on all the good stuff. And it kind of hit me that it's like, yeah, like I have to be ready to meet her when she's ready to meet me. Otherwise, I'm going to miss it. And I'm just going to be stuck feeling angry and sad all the time. Yeah, so that was a that's a, a big piece. Are we answering your question? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we're just I think what I always love about having conversations with you two is you're just so honest. Like you this is I think every parent has had that feeling of like to connect. I need to play at your level, not at my level. And um, I can't keep putting it off, right? And so sometimes that, that's, that's really hard to make room for. And you're not always in the emotional space to do it. It's a choice. I think one of the curiosities I'm having too is uh, I think as, as adults or as parents, we often again say, okay, I'm going to make space for this for play for the well being of this child because it's one of the things that helps them flourish. But I also see you as a couple making a lot of space for play. So. Um, yeah, I, I think as a, like, um, I think it, like as adults, like a lot of this stuff just gets drowned out by the responsibilities of life. Like you just have so much to do and um, everything gets pushed to the side. And that's where I do think like that whole, like become like little children thing is like staying connected to the, to the moment and the joy of what's right around you. Um, yeah, like the thing, well, this is, so um, I'll just share something really quick about this. So I grew up Seventh-day Adventist and that's like was the culture that I was raised in. And like the, there's a protected, like they keep the Jewish Sabbath and stuff. So um, one of the reasons that like one of the values behind this that's always mentioned is one day a week, it stops being about how productive you are. Like all of the world is telling you you're worth what you produce and you're worth what you provide. And for one day, you are, it's based on out of the divine celebration of creation, there's a, you are worth, you are, have inherent worth. And this is a time where you play and create um, and connect with people. And so for me, that was like a value of it. And, and it's like so countercultural to say, like, someone said something really profound to me. They were talking about it. They, they're talking about hobbies. And they said, uh, the great thing about hobbies is that you can suck at them. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter. You don't have to be good at them. 
it's not a side hustle where you're trying to like make something to sell or whatever. Like as long as you're having fun and you're enjoying it, you can be the worst painter in the world. You can be the worst singer in the world. You, whatever it is, it matters nothing because, um, okay. It's another train of thought. So, because I'm thinking about, because my work with child youth mental health, there's like, I always talk about like, like there's a, it's a state of play, like that we have to enter into. It's a shift in our minds. And so like when we're, when we're actually receiving entertainment, it's not play. Like it's fun, but it's not play because it's external coming in. And so actually, like you actually, there's like this, a certain, I forgot how much, long, how long it is, but there's a certain amount of time where kids have to go where their brain switches from receiving entertainment to the internal tapping into what's my desire and how do I want to play? It actually takes time to shift that. So you have to be like bored for a certain amount of time before you tap into, uh, well, what do I want to do? Like what is around me to play? And so I think as adults too, we're so used to, oh, I do not know, I consume this thing, I consume this thing. But desire is like that creative energy inside you that's saying, what is that inside me that desires to create, to explore, to connect? And it's from the inside. And one of the major things that like when people are struggling with depression is a lack of like losing touch with that internal desire, like having no connection to that fire inside you that says, I want to do this something is birthing from me. And so like a lot of times it has to change as you get older, because you just don't have unlimited time. Like you do like as kids or teens, but it's like, you have to find different ways to engage with those passions. Otherwise it's just like dies inside you. And so, um, I, I, I like, I'm Colin's a much more social person than I am. And, and well, my lunch, you can, I'm a much more social person than David is. <laughs> no, it was interesting. I'll just tell you a quick story about how we figured this out. When we first met, I was planning our social calendar and I had us doing something five nights in a row. And we got to, I think, night four. And I'm like, come on, it's time to go. I'm standing at the front door. It's time to go. Come on, let's, let's go. And he just walked to the front door and he said, I'm not going. And I said, what? We had this little like banter back and forth. And sure enough, I ended up going on my own. But we had to have a conversation about this because I would, I am an, a true extrovert who loves to be around people like five nights a week, no problem. And David's done it about two. So yeah. anyway, just the different ways that we play is so I try and be a bit more social than David does. And it's okay for me to do that on my own. Thank you guys. I feel like I could just keep going and going and going with this conversation. It's really rich. I'd like to make more space for it and all sorts of different kinds of play. And while we gather the kids and bringing back up, I would like to invite you to turn to one or two people near you and talk to them about what play, maybe you have a story of something playful that you engaged in in the last week or two, or maybe you want to share a story of a way you like to play as a child or Maybe you want to share a thought from today that you want to take home. But if you, if we could just leave a little space for that, for conversing and letting this drop inside of you, rather than just being a passive listener, um, we'll go get the kids. Okay. And then when the kids are gathered, we'll transition to communion. Mm -hmm. 